Mini Episode 1348 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You'll want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1348. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris with you here. And a very special treat today, we have a fellow longtime FDH Lounge dignitary slash sportsology proprietor slash author, Russ Cohen, on. And uh, he is on, of course, uh, over many topics over a period of time. But uh, every spring, we're always coming on here to do the Stanley Cup playoff preview. So we've got that for the 2021 season today. This is a little bit later than we would normally get to it. Uh, Normally, they would be into probably at least the second round at this point, but uh, due to everything getting pushed back and this being the second straight pandemic-scarred season, uh, everything is a little bit different, and uh, we'll be getting into all the different ways that it is uh, not the norm as we go forward here. But uh, again, always a pleasure to bring in my longtime friend, Russ Cohen. How you doing today, buddy? Good, Rick. Yeah, and just for the listeners out there, don't be shocked if next season uh, starts a little later, too. Okay. So is that uh, is that the early word? Is that they, they may make those type of uh, adjustments here? So It's possible. It, it all depends on Canada and how they how everybody gets vaccinated and then the border situation. you got to figure because, you know, the NHL likes to have that schedule done right around the time of the draft, you know, usually around mm-hmm. June-ish, but now the draft's in July, so they got a little more time. But you can't delay it much past that. So there is a possibility that um, there could be another small delay for the start of the season, just so they could actually get all the fans in there this time. And if that's the case, and particularly if they know that they're going to have an uptick in attendance, does it follow from there that, again, this is a 56-game schedule this year. It wouldn't be quite that short, but that if they're starting it a little bit later, it could be a little bit truncated so it doesn't go into July again okay. next year? Okay. I, I, I Nobody has said that. Uh-huh. Uh, that would also depend on the Winter Olympics. Yes. And, and all how all that's going to work, so who knows? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, so many different uh, variables right now. And I was asking you off air before we got started because uh, we're, we're doing this. We know basically what the playoff field is going to be, so it's early enough to get this uh, recorded. Uh, but uh, there are still some variables here. And uh, I was asking you off air when they were going to start. You said that some of the games were going to be starting this upcoming Saturday. And I know that uh, they seem determined to let the uh, the North Division, the Canadian Division, play out to the very end. I got to tell you, Russ, I mean, the NHL continues to come up with things that I never anticipated happening. And it's never in a good way. Like, I was never like, you know what, I'll bet you one day there's going to be a sports league that starts the playoffs while some of the teams are still finishing the regular season. And where you have to look at that day's scoreboard and, and think to yourself, is this a playoff game or is this a regular season game? But the NHL has innovated with an innovation nobody was asking for, Russ. I know. It's out of sheer stubbornness. They 
they want to be able to say in in the annals of time that it was a 56 game season for all uh-huh. and the only way to do that is to let Vancouver play these meaningless games out and that's what's happening that said, though, it's one of these things where, like, in baseball, you know, you've always got at the end of the season, you've got some rained-out dates to be made up. But sure. they don't kill themselves to do it if the games don't yeah. mean anything in the end. And Vancouver is basically this close to being eliminated mathematically anyways. Yeah, the only time they ever kill themselves in baseball is if all of a sudden they realize, okay, there could be something like that time with the Mets and the Reds, there was a tie at the end of the season. So sometimes there are a couple of games that get played just to see how that impacts that before that game gets played, which is still part of the regular season, but it's not, you know, because it's like not the playoffs yet. Yes. So that's, we've seen that. And that makes sense. This, sure. I don't know. Yeah. I have no comment on this. <laughs> I just, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it was going to be happening. At the very least, there's only going to be a couple days of it at this point because uh, they will, I knew that at one point they were looking at potentially starting the playoffs this week, and you wouldn't have wanted to see several days of that uh, or well, a week or so. Thankfully, the Canadians made it, mm-hmm. so that sped up this whole thing because there was a scenario where if they weren't going to get in until the last minute or even one of the other teams like Calgary were going to get in, they would have to wait until, like I don't know, like next Friday to start. Okay. Friday after the Saturday of the first games. Right. right. So, And you don't want too many of these uh, divisions starting uh, past when the other ones are because it screws up the subsequent rounds. But uh, and, and it's already it, – they're already like different leagues. So, yeah, I, I definitely say it's better right now the way it's going. It's going to be weird, but you're right. You don't want all of these being off track because at some point everything's going to get aligned again teams will actually play outside of their division. You know, this is the one year where it's like there's intrigue, like when the AL would play the NL in the World Series only, and there weren't interleague games. Right. There's going to be that kind of intrigue now for late round playoff matchups. It's one of those things where, you know, like uh, the the whole, you know, fantasy matchup, what would happen if Tampa Bay played Boston? (laughs) Right. Here we are in this uh, weird season where that is actually the case. And, uh, and by the way, and I, I stand corrected a second ago, I think I referred to if Vancouver could uh, win out to make it there, but you're right, Montreal's put no. this away, and so Vancouver, yeah. as of until I think yesterday or the day before, that was still the case. But the playoff field is set, and basically, again, uh, because it's going to be at least a couple of days before the early games get set here, we're just going to kind of take a high-level look at each of the divisions here moving forward. So uh, start with the uh, the Central uh, one of the four temporary divisions for this year, or uh, I, I'm sorry, I guess wouldn't, isn't the full corporate name the Flushable Wipe Central Division or whatever the heck it is? I mean, I know they've all got corporate names this I, year. I don't use them, so I don't care. <laughs> okay, well, for the uh, for the Central Division, as we'll abbreviate it here, you have uh, Carolina in there as the divisional champion, and that's a team that, again, many of us might have had uh, making the playoffs this year. I believe I did as far as my initial uh, projections went. And yet, there's a I decent did. chance. Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty good chance they're going to be the, uh, the President's Trophy uh, team at this point. And uh, they've got 80 points. They finish a game ahead of Florida, who certainly, I think, qualifies as a surprise team, particularly when you look at they're going to play Tampa Bay in the first round and Florida's going to have home ice. I don't think a lot of people would have necessarily seen that coming, even with the injuries that Tampa Bay has had. 
And then you've got Nashville bringing up the rear at uh, 64. They're a little bit of a surprise to me. I did not have Nashville making the playoffs. I thought Dallas would make it back in. And they Same. come up a little short at uh, 60 points here. So Carolina-Nashville, uh, that is a series that, uh, and, and again, normally two teams in different conferences, but they've played each other uh, half to death this year, as all the teams have done. Ultimately, uh, in, in that one here, I don't see that one necessarily being uh, that close of a series. Carolina finishing 16 points ahead. I think they're going to continue on. And spoiler alert, I like Carolina to go very, very far overall. Florida, Tampa Bay, I still lean towards Tampa Bay. I, I know there's a chance maybe at the back end of this thing they could get Kucherov back, and that would be an immeasurable boost. But I like Carolina and Tampa Bay to emerge from the first round here, and, and I do like Carolina over Tampa Bay uh, in the Central Finals. Wow. I mean, all right, so we'll start with, yeah, Carolina can definitely get through um, Nashville. Nashville's got a good defense, mm -hmm. and it's – and, and so I think uh, it's very possible that we uh, we could see them win a game, maybe two. Yes. But Carolina will get past them. They have a, an elite defense, a good enough offense, and adequate goaltending. I only say adequate because I never trust Peter Morozik in the playoffs. Uh, you being a Red Wings fan should know that. <laughs> and, and also, I don't – and I really like Alex Nedeljkovic, but I don't think he's ready. I don't think this is a Cam Ward situation where he's going to – step in for, you know, then Martin Gerber and go win the Stanley Cup. I don't think that's the case, but okay. they can get past this round. Uh, I do think Tampa will get past Florida. I think that'll be a slobber knocker, but Tampa has so much depth that I know the conventional thinking is, well, they're going to beat up each other so much, it's going to be hard for Tampa, but they have so much depth, and Kucherov will be back, please. Yes. He's, he, he, had a, he had a Peter Forsberg kind of injury. So, and year, and we remember that when that happened, all of a sudden Peter Forsberg was healthy a couple of games before the end of the season. Kucherov, no, because it was a salary cap, and yeah, we all know what happened. So, uh, I'm not worried about Tampa and Carolina. I think they will. I think that could go long, and that could hurt Tampa's chances to win another cup, but I do think they can get past both those teams. That's right, and uh, you're ultimately right in your thinking. I think that Tampa and Florida, if that one goes long, I think that's what could hurt them against uh, Carolina uh, subsequently, but yeah, that is going to be one of these things where we're, we're going to look back on it, I think, at the end and marvel that that was a second-round matchup, because those are two clearly two of the best teams uh, in yes. this tournament here, and uh, in, in a sense, a little bit unfair that uh, you, you don't have of both of them in the semifinals, but uh, that's the way that this thing breaks. Life is unfair, Rick. You, you grew yes. up an Indians fan. You realize that at a young age. I do, I do, and I used to say that as a Browns fan, but not so much anymore. So, right. <laughs> moving uh, to the East Division, uh, coincidentally, uh, a team that I am born and bred to hate as a North Coast uh, resident here, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, they win <laughs> the East Division. How's that for a transition? Uh, Pittsburgh with 77 points. A little bit surprising to me because a couple of the teams behind them, I might have thought, uh, might have had a better chance at winning the division, although I think I had Pittsburgh as a playoff team beginning of the year. Washington at 75 uh, as we speak, Boston at 73 points as of this moment, and the Islanders at 71. A little surprising to me, uh, your Rangers back at 60 points, Philadelphia at 58, 
these are teams I really expected to be in the mix, and uh, I really didn't end up playing out that way. I didn't expect the Rangers to make the playoffs. I knew they still had too much youth. And of course, we didn't know what was going to happen with Panarin, and if you want to point to something in the season that helped them not make the playoffs, it certainly was the time that he missed with the team, but then when he came back, he played so great that maybe that's just balanced out. I don't know. I didn't think they were going to make it. They didn't. I thought the Flyers could make it. And everything that was hoped for, like young defensemen turning into better defensemen this year and, and getting better goaltending like they did the year before out of Carter Hart that didn't happen. And, and that you didn't think would be a problem. Then it turned into a problem. Hoping that some of the younger forwards would, would take a step and, you know, a few did and a few didn't. All those kinds of things are enough to have you not make the playoffs. So, yeah, the Penguins, you know, with the Rutherford exit, that was kind of shocking. Hextall's there. That, that still plays weird in this Philly market. but. Right. I felt like an important part of the Penguins' season was there was a point when um, when Ron Hextall was with Philly, he drafted a defenseman named Mark Friedman, uh, you know, a feisty kid who hadn't played much in the NHL. Actually, I don't think anything in the NHL. The, uh, no, a little bit. A little bit, actually. And um, and so, he, you know, he gets sent down on waivers, and the Penguins pick him up. Now, the Flyers didn't have to send him on waivers, but in retrospect, there seems to have been some sort of locker room issue with Friedman because at the Penguins' last game here with Philly, there were the Flyers were taking all kinds of cheap shots on him, certain players, so certainly there was something there. So what happens, Mark Friedman goes to the Penguins, it's Ron Hextall's first game, he scores a goal, helps him win the game. That, I felt, was like, because that, that was a downtrodden moment for the Penguins, like we were looking at them, like, uh oh, maybe the you know that they're starting to go the other way. They don't look like a playoff team. That gave them a little spark, and then they started to play better. And Tristan Jarry started to play better, and everybody started to play better. And even when Malkin was out, Crosby really took over, so that was fine. They patched the defense up well enough, and then they got Jeff Carter at the deadline. And Jeff Carter has been a tremendous addition for them because now you really have three lines of scoring on that team. So. Mm-hmm. Here we are. I mean, those are the kinds of things you could never, ever plan on happening in an NHL season, but they can happen, and, and it did. And, you know, and I'm looking up Friedman's stats, and he's got three points in five games for the Penguins, and it's mostly against the Flyers, by the way. Right. So, Funny how that so works. I, I think that was like a mental play. I really do, and I do think it gave them something, and we could give Brian Burke credit there, too, because Brian Burke is there as well. And you know what? Right now, they've got another life. Beyond this year, who knows what's going to happen to the Penguins. Right. But yeah, they, they keep working to try to extend that window. And uh, again, they come away with uh, an East regular season title here. Uh, well, potentially, as I'm looking at this, I know that Washington's got a game left if they win. I don't know how the tiebreaker goes. But uh, <coughs> as of right now, it would be uh, Pittsburgh against the Islanders, Washington against Boston. For the sake of argument, I'm going to assume that that's how this plays out. Now, the Islanders, again, they've shown in uh, certainly last season, when you look at series, and, and maybe the season before, uh, that, that Pittsburgh series there, that's one that they could win where a lot of people would have them as, as a decided underdog going in because of their defensive play primarily. I will still lean, I think, towards Pittsburgh in that one. And then uh, in, in the Washington-Boston series, uh, that feels like one that definitely could go long. Uh, my lean on this one is with uh, Boston, and I, I would say Boston over Pittsburgh in a seven-game series. I think that could be a real, real, real slobber knock. I am going to um, agree that Pittsburgh can get past the Islanders. The Islanders, the other night, uh, seemed like they really wanted to play the Capitals because uh, when the game was tied, they pulled the goalie. They were hoping to get, it was an overtime. I, I was, they were hoping to get the game to overtime because I think if they got a point, they would have actually 
played Washington instead of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And so they pulled the goalie early. So that sort of was a tell. And maybe I don't have the exact thing right, but it's, you know, essentially that. And that was sort of a tell that they wanted to play the Capitals rather than the Penguins, right? Because otherwise, why do that? Right. So it didn't work out. And now they're playing the Penguins. They're having trouble scoring. And as good as their defense and goaltending can be, I do think the Penguins are going to get past them. I don't think the Capitals will get past the Bruins. The Capitals have been falling apart for weeks. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I can't see it happening. And I think uh, Boston will have enough there. I do think Boston and Pittsburgh will go long. I agree with that. We give the edge to to um, to Boston with the goaltending. But I, I, I'm just going to tell you, there's always these weird times in sports where the all-time greats always seem to get another kick at the can or at least go further than you think. I can think of, like, the Rangers in 97, you know, with the Gretzky-Messier connection. They got all the way to the conference finals to Lindros and, and the Flyers just, you know, beat them down. And so I, so I feel like the Penguins are sort of, like, on that path. Uh-huh. And I think and I think they're going to get out of their division. I Interesting. Boston. I mean, three years ago, that was the case. And I speak not of Ovechkin winning the Cup. I speak of Ovechkin making the conference finals because that was further than you would think for anything he'd done to that well, and point. If you were, and if you remember... I was at game seven, mm -hmm. and I think it was Phil Kessel that came up lame at the last minute. Yep. And played really, really injured. And, and I saw him warming up, and when I saw that happening, I was like, okay, this has really opened the door now for Washington. So that was when they finally, when the Penguins finally sort of broke down a little. But otherwise, right. I think the Penguins would have won that series, don't you? Very much so, yeah. I, I Because they pretty much owned them in the past. and. It's just the way sports is, though. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and historically, going back in time, I mean, even the late 80s, early 90s, uh, they matched up a number of times, and uh, Pittsburgh always seemed to get the Duke there. So, yeah, it looked like they were going to do it one more time, and it didn't happen. So, yeah, sometimes it's just that moment in time. And uh, we will see, quite frankly, if that happens for any of the young stars on Toronto as we look at the North Division, as Toronto wins the North. And uh, a few surprises here, I thought, in the course of the season. Uh, Toronto, uh, as we speak right now, 76 points. Edmonton at 70, I expected them to be right up there in the mix. Winnipeg at 59, and Montreal at 58, but uh, Winnipeg has uh, a game in hand on Montreal, so their odds of staying ahead of them are fairly decent. Calgary back at 49 points in particular uh, is something that surprises me. I thought Calgary would be part of this playoff field, and to a lesser extent, uh, Vancouver surprised me because I'd, I'd underestimated them in last year's playoffs, and I guess I overestimated them in this season here, and uh, they have a chance to make up a number of points here and uh, perhaps to rally and finish as high as fifth place. But uh, Vancouver, of course, having uh, had to deal with the whole COVID outbreak through the team recently, a little bit of special circumstances, but a disappointing season prior to that and a disappointing season for Calgary. Yeah, I, I think I picked Calgary to make it and Vancouver just to make it. And, you know, again, we couldn't have foreseen what, what was going to happen with Vancouver as far as COVID, right? So right. That, that is just the way it is. Um, I look at this, and I'll tell you, this Canadians uh, Leaf series will be epic. And I don't think the Canadians are a pushover. What I don't have is the benefit to know where Carey Price is and his injury, where Frederick Anderson is and his injury, although Jack Campbell is going to start the playoffs for them. But that could still be like when, when um, the Capitals won the Cup and Grubauer started and then he didn't have a good game one and all of a sudden Holpe was back in, right? Remember right. that? Uh -huh. So we could be at that kind of situation. So I'm really at a disadvantage here injury-wise. So I'm going to have to pick the Leafs. 
and I'm going to warn everybody that could change if I get a very rosy report on Carey Price just before that series starts. But sure. right now, today, I will have to go Leafs. I do think the Leafs will, uh, if they get past Montreal, will go, will come out of that division. I do. Yeah, I agree with that. I have uh, Toronto over Edmonton in the uh, divisional finals, and uh, I do think they would beat Edmonton. They would have trouble with them a little bit. Yeah, but not enough. But not enough trouble because Edmonton still doesn't have good enough goaltending. I know the fans are hoping and praying with Mike Smith, but man, he's I, he's getting older. What is he? Thirty nine, something like that. Right. Uh, it's hard for a thirty nine year old goalie these days. I know everybody will point to like Roberto Luongo, maybe even Dwayne Wilson, who was older, but it was a different time too. And even just a few years ago is a different time. Trust me, the game's changing all the time. So I just think it's it's too much. It is, and uh, again, you look at uh, uh, McDavid and Drysaitel, and you look at uh, Edmonton. Albeit, I mean, they are top heavy in terms of where their scoring comes from, but not many teams can outscore them. Having said that, you look at the standings right now. Toronto's got four more goals over the course of the year because it's a little bit more diversified amongst, say, four or five guys on their top lines here as far as the bulk of the scoring. So uh, as far as it being able to win in a shootout, uh, and I don't I don't mean that in a literal regular season shootout sense, but, you know, if, yeah, if I was the coach... say, thank Rick, don't ever mention shootout in playoffs. Yeah, I no, no. You, Hopefully I that never happens. With great certainty, <laughs> people at the NHL have told me that will never happen. Uh, good, good. Let's hope that that's the case. I mean it in the uh, classic sense of a 6-5 or a 7-6 game or something like that. Toronto is one of the teams out there capable of beating Edmonton in that kind of a game. Right. I just, Toronto, Austin Matthews is a special player. Mm-hmm. Special special to the point where I just feel like he's on a different level than a lot of other players now. Right. I also feel like their defense is improved. I know everybody is banking on their toughness. It's older toughness, though. Wayne, Wayne Simmons has a lot of mileage on him, so I right. don't know how effective he'll be in these playoffs, but he certainly could add some toughness. Joe Thornton, definitely on his last skates. No offense to Joe. Spezza has a little bit more. Like Spezza has been really good. They, um, you know, Mitch Marner's had a hell of a year. Zach Hyman's going to be healthy so that's a big deal it's really up to jack campbell like he could sink the whole playoffs and it's just unfair but it's sort of how it's playing out because if campbell doesn't do well and let's say they lose a game or two with him not doing well they're gonna have to put in anderson who i don't think is 100 percent even after the time off right so that's when you start having a problem because anderson in the playoffs it doesn't have a great history anyhow and then he may not be 100%. So if they're going to win, they're probably going to win with Jack Campbell. Yeah, that's what they're going to have to do, and they're going to be holding their breaths a little bit. I will say this, that there are so many things about this season and the structure of this that are less than optimal. But I will say, when you look at it, and particularly if you project these guys as being long-term with their franchises, this may be the only time we ever get a playoff series between Matthews and McDavid, so there is that. Yeah, and that would be... uh... A marquee matchup, great for Canadian fans. We'll enjoy it here in the U.S. too, but that'll be like you know, amazing for Canadian fans. That'll be every household will watch that. Oh Not yeah, every household will watch it here. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and and for the championship of a division that is explicitly Canadian, so there will be yeah. uh, that kind of pride as well on the line. And uh, again, you you look at that, and it's it's really it it, it projects to be an interesting uh, playoff uh, scramble here in the North, as it will be in the other divisions. Uh, the the last one we have remaining here is the West, where uh, as of the, this moment, uh, Vegas clings to a two-point lead over Colorado, albeit Colorado has a game in hand 
on them. Again, I don't know how the tiebreaker would uh, fall out if it's the two of them tied. Uh, Minnesota, right. so it's uh, Vegas 80, Colorado 78, Minnesota 75, and St. Louis 59. Uh, certainly uh, not a, a real impressive uh, tally for St. Louis, but enough to make it in. Just five points ahead of Arizona, and then the uh, the rebuilding but the teams. five points is like five miles to it, and yeah. it really is. I never really felt like Arizona was getting there. Me neither. Um, I'm surprised Tuckett is gone. I don't know why. I don't know if it's him or they wanted him gone. Either way, he's the only thing that kept them competitive. Yeah. So, I just felt like St. Louis just needed to get on track a little bit, and they did. Yeah, and uh, again, nobody should underestimate them after their no. role that they went on two years ago. So I, I kind of agree with you. I never thought they were in danger of getting uh, passed by Arizona. And uh, I, I just, I, I actually kind of marveled that Arizona came as close as they did. But uh, yeah, in, in looking at this, uh, one of the surprises of the uh, the mix here in the West is uh, Minnesota finishing as robustly uh, as they are presently at uh, 75 points. And I think uh, maybe even an outside chance of finishing ahead of Colorado. So Colorado could, I guess, at this point, finish anywhere between first and third. Uh, for Minnesota, it'll either be second or third. But even to have the chance at having home ice against Colorado in the first round is something not a lot of people would have believed in the, at the beginning of the year. No, but I could see Minnesota getting better. Like three years ago, I think it was, I picked them for the playoffs. Last year, Darren came in, and they didn't make it, but but they were playing better. Garen came in and really changed some things around, and they did make it. And now they're at this point. The only way they have a chance, in my mind, to beat Colorado is with home ice. But I still don't think they'll beat Colorado. And honestly, I don't think anybody in division is going to beat Colorado. I know everybody's all on Vegas right now, but I think with Vegas, you're hoping that that goalie tandem is going to be everything you hoped it would be because their defense, is, while it's a little better, Still ain't great. They do, they do have very good defensive forwards. I mean, Mark Stone could win the Selkie any time. And I know that normally uh, people don't look at him for that. But he's been tremendous at that for years. So I look at I look at everything, and it's like, I think because of the size, they're a little bit slow. Guys like Pacioretty and Stone. And, and so it's like, you know, end of the day, I think nobody can keep up with Colorado. They have too much speed. Uh, McKinnon's healthy, Rantman, that's just a formidable combo. They've got so many unsung heroes. Uh, Ryan Graves is one of them on defense, but Sam Gerrard is impossible to cover. He really is. As a little guy, he just out, he, he's just faster than everybody. And he gets to the puck first, and he causes a little havoc offensively. Their power play is great. I just, I know some may not be sold on their goaltending, and I don't know what Devin Dubnik's status is because he was in Kobe protocol. I imagine he'll be out of it by then. Uh, but Grubauer's their guy, and hopefully he stays healthy because I think Grubauer is good enough to do it. I just think they have everything else in place, and it's better than everybody else in that division. But I don't think it's, it's not going to be like they're not going to battle. They're, they're going to be battles. I kind of agree, yeah. I, I have uh, Vegas and uh, Colorado in the divisional finals, and I have uh, Colorado yeah. coming out ahead on that one there. And uh, it, neither one of them, and by the way, we have uh, in, in the days to come here, 
our uh, 2021 FDH NHL Stanley Cup playoffs cheat sheet, which we'll have going up on the front page of fantasygrafthelp.com. And uh, a breakdown here, uh, sort of our ultimate statistic uh, for all these teams and, and averaging together a bunch of these ones. And uh, really not m- many, there's there's nothing that you would necessarily call a chink in the armor of Colorado. The only one where they are below average statistically, 16th in the league in save percentage, uh, but that doesn't uh, measure up to, as, as far as a weakness goes, Vegas being 21st on the power play percentage, and that is something that could really bite them in a series against Colorado. Yeah, the only thing is, we remember Colorado had a lot of injuries with Bolton this year. They, yes. they lost their backup early in the season. Yes. That was a skew, so they definitely dropped some games because of that. Right. And and so that's where I'll throw that one away a little bit, but I do think the power play one for Vegas is real. Like that, They don't really have a great point man on the power play. Yeah, and that's going to hurt them, and you're going to need that if you're playing uh, Colorado. So I've got... Yeah, because uh, that power play is just amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you, I don't you, know, what, what number does it rank? Do you know? Do you have uh, that list the, the Colorado power play, as I look at it here, ranks... Well, it's eighth. I mean, that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's pretty good. But in looking at the overall thing here, as we go to our uh, final four, I'm going to read you off this about Carolina as I circle back around to them and, and why I like Carolina to go as far as, as they are in terms of uh, balance. Uh, power play, or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, they're number one in our power rankings at the end of the season. Power play percentage second. Penalty kill percentage third, Fenwick four first, Fenwick against eleventh, shooting percentage eleventh, save percentage third, SRS third. Uh, they total out at thirty-five total points. Uh, of course, the lower the better on the points here. The next closest team, fifteen back of them, is Vegas at fifty. So there's, if you just look at it and again, a lot of that is advanced statistics. Uh, but if you look at just that, Carolina really outpaces teams uh, by a decent amount across the board. The one variable as we go into this, of course, the semifinals and the finals will be, as we said before, these OMG dream matchups outside the division. What would happen if so-and-so played so-and-so? So you don't know based on who Carolina played, but I don't get the sense that the division that they were in was appreciably weaker than any of the other ones. I mean, you've got my Red Wings in there kind of struggling to gain air as usual. Columbus had a down year, uh, but uh, Chicago was a little more respectable than some people thought. So I don't know that you can discount Carolina that much based on uh, caliber of opposition. No, I don't. Listen, you play who you play. I'm not going to kill anybody for that, and I won't kill them for postseason awards either because you still have to score goals. Like Austin Matthews still have to score goals, right? Right. But... I will say, I do feel like their goaltending had great benefit from their defense. Sure. I know that there is talent in their net, but I also know that, as an example, while Cam Talbot is a good goalie in this league, he seemed way better behind that range of defense when Henrik Lundqvist then went down. Sure. Agreed? Yeah. yeah. And so I think there's a benefit of that. All that said, if that defense keeps up, the goaltending will look good. So, yeah. But if it doesn't, if there's like a little problem with their defense, I don't know if their goaltending will bail them out. That's what the worry is for me. Sure. And that's where, uh, again, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that plays out. I think the synergy between defense and goaltending is going to continue. I have in the semifinals Carolina over Boston in six. I 
have Colorado over Toronto in six. And uh, in the finals, I've got Carolina over Colorado in six. To me, at the uh, in the triangle, they're going to be partying like it's 2006 because I think the Canes are going to be back for the second time in 15 years. Well, I was down there mm -hmm. um, for that, and it was a tremendous series. I really enjoyed the fans. If they're there, I will certainly uh, try and do that. My brain's not really working very well as to figure out who the um, the other cup team's going to be, but I, I, I'm taking Colorado to win it anyhow. Mm -hmm. So whoever they're playing, I think they're going to be. So I'm just going to I'm going to do it that way and kind of cheat because sure. that's just the way I feel. I felt that way preseason. I'm going to stay stubborn and just go with that. You know what? It would be almost kind of fitting twenty years on uh, when they played New Jersey in the finals. Two of my most yeah. hated teams. If it's Pittsburgh and Colorado in the finals 20 years later, there you go again, Russ. <laughs> well, I went to one of those games as, as a fan, but the NHL invited me. It okay. was really nice. It was early on in sportsology, and uh, I got invited by somebody at the NHL for a golf outing. And then after the golf outing, we went to the Stanley Cup. Oh, nice. Was, like, nice. I don't know. How do you beat that? Like, that was a day, man. <laughs> that's pretty tremendous. Yeah, that's a lot to look forward to uh, when you got that going on. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting thing to see it playing out uh, this spring. You just reminded me that was 20 years ago, though. And actually, sports yeah. is over 20 years old. And, but you just reminded me of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to thank you for that. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, not everybody uh, is going to thank me for reminding them of uh, things. And, and I'm, I'm not happy to remember back to, quite frankly, uh, Colorado versus New Jersey in the finals here. And, of course, the Avs be clowning themselves like few franchises ever have by retiring Ray Bork's number and putting it in the rafters. Uh, he's yeah. not yours, Colorado. He's Boston's. I know. <laughs> I know. It's that, I can't disagree with you. I mean... Yeah, and I'm, I'm saying this off the top of my head here. Hopefully I'm not wrong, but I don't think, for example, I don't think my wings retired Luke Robitaille's number, okay? You know, <laughs> you got to have boundaries, Russ. <laughs> you do. It's not like, you know, the Rangers um, retired Guy Lafleur for his one year there, or Shot for a couple years there, or yeah. Tim Horton for a few years there. No, right. I, yeah, you know, but uh, it's going to be exciting to see it play out, and uh, I did see the other day that uh, I believe that uh, – uh, a, a good friend of the show, five-time lounge guest, uh, Kenny Albert, I believe, uh, calling the finals this year. Yes. Uh, and he's going to be the lead announcer, apparently, on uh, Don't Call It Turner Sports anymore. What is it? Warner Media Sports going forward. Uh, subsequently here, yeah, whatever it's going to be. So uh, good, as good long for Ken. Ernie's not in the studio. I'm fine. <laughs> well, hey, Ernie is a, a beloved uh, repeat guest on the show here as well. But yes, they're they're going to have a a group that is more. He does listen. He's fine for basketball. Yes. Don't make him. Don't make him a dual sport guy because he's your flagship guy. That's all I'm asking. You know what? I don't. I don't think you have anything to worry about there. I think they're going to go with a completely different uh, kind of a crew. Having said that, and I think this would be actually an egregious thing if they did. We keep hearing rumors about Chuck uh, Barkley apparently having some kind of. No, role. no. I mean, it was. If they do like a gag segment once in a blue moon, fine. Okay. But don't have them on there. It's not going to help anything. And honestly, don't have Wayne Gretzky on there either because I, I get that you maybe want to make a splash here. Yeah. But in the end, in the end, we're really looking for good analysis. And I don't think he always has good analysis. And I think he could be a bit boring. And that's just the way it is. That's just, I love Wayne Gretzky, but that's just the fact. Honestly, you just summed up Joe Montana's time on NBC. So yeah, sometimes, 
sometimes you don't want to take those guys and put them in those roles. Uh, quite frankly, if they're going to do any kind of crossovers with TNT programming, I nominate Chris Jericho to do a regular segment. I think that would yeah, be pretty Yeah, Jericho's awesome. great. Yes. He's in my book, 100 Ranger Greats. His dad played for the Rangers. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would vote for Jericho anytime. He would be tremendous in that role. And always tremendous in the role of breaking down hockey on this show is good friend, longtime FDH Lounge dignitary, sportsology proprietor, and author, Russ Cohen. Uh, yes, 100 Ranger greats, uh, the Winter Classic, all of these uh, great uh, books out there that you can find under the author profile at Amazon. Uh, Russ, always a pleasure to have you on, my man. Thanks so much for making time today. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini, episode 1348.